What's going on, everyone? This is Ron Carthen. Welcome to another edition of Ron Nick's Rundown. I am Ron Carthen, and uh, unfortunately tonight, uh, I'm definitely by myself. Nick has a schedule, had some uh, things to take care of, so I'll be doing this on my own. But we have a lot of good stuff going on this evening. Obviously, uh, Sweet 16 is around the corner. Uh, I know we don't have any Cinderella's, but there's going to definitely be some good games coming up this week. Also, we definitely have MLB season starting for sure. Go Yankees, of course. NBA playoffs are around the corner, plus a lot of crazy stuff going on. I see Justice Smollett uh, <laughs> is free. That's right, he's free. I'm gonna have a lot, a lot to talk about this week. So let's get ready and uh, let's get started. Well, let me start with the uh, biggest game of the tournament so far, and that was definitely Duke versus UCF. UCF, the artist known as the University of Central Florida. But everybody loves to call them UCF for short. Let me just say this right now. This is that Central Florida should have won this game. They definitely should have won this game. I'm not even gonna I'm not even gonna sugarcoat it. They should have won this game. And they had a chance to extend this lead to six. But unfortunately that missed line with a minute forty nine to go. I, unfortunately was a definitely a big missed opportunity for them. Now, the biggest call of the game was definitely Zion Williamson driving up to the basket and, and gets an and one. And Taco Fall with his fifth foul, he fouled out of the game. Now, I know there was some controversy there with Zion Williamson and Taco Fall. Zion Williamson probably should have been called for a charge. But listen, they're not going to call a charge on Zion Williamson in that situation. We all know that it wasn't going to happen. So, yes, Taco Fall, who was great in this game, unfortunately fouling out of the game. And when he was out, out of the court... You know, Zion Williamson definitely took advantage of that. Zion Williamson, in my opinion, was definitely intimidated of Taco Fall. He was definitely intimidated until that last play, for sure. But let me get to this. Obviously, Zion Williamson missed the free throw, but UCF, nobody boxed out R.J. Barrett. How can you not box out R.J. Barrett? R.J. Barrett was able to get the rebound and give Duke a one-point lead. How do you not box out R.J. Barrett? He's... Easily the second best player on that team, or it could be first or the best player on that team on some nights. But RJ, how can you not block that dude out? Is beyond me. And then, of course, Arby Dawkins, the son of Johnny Dawkins. What a great game he had 32 points. I can't believe that ball did not go in. That tip, that tip in when time expired, that should have been a game winner. I couldn't believe it myself that the ball just rolled out of the rim and Duke survived. Like, Duke survived and they are now heading to their 25th sweet 16 under Mike Krzyzewski it's 27th overall in Duke history but the 25th under Mike Krzyzewski you think about that that is an insane stat and amount of players you got to give coach K his props for that but goodness gracious Johnny Dawkins who was a former assistant coach and a player for Duke University he absolutely, it was just absolutely amazing how well he coached this team. And they out, they definitely outplayed Duke. They did an amazing job against Duke. But unfortunately, your greatest effort doesn't give you a win. And that happens sometimes. It's unfortunate. But the Golden Knights, definitely an amazing job by by them. But Duke moves on. And Zion Williamson has got to be pretty much the best player on the floor at this point throughout this tournament. And he did drop 32 points. And he was definitely by far the best player in this game for sure. But at this point, Duke has got to play a lot better. 
and they have a good one coming up against Virginia Tech in DC. Alright guys, let me share my thoughts on the Sweet 16, what's going to start tonight and tomorrow. Uh, definitely some big games. I know we don't have any Cinderella's, but there are going to definitely be a lot of good games tomorrow. Well, not good games tomorrow. Tonight and tomorrow. And let me start in the West region. We will start with Gonzaga and Florida State. A big rematch from last year. Florida State beat Gonzaga last year. And they definitely made it to Elite Eight, but unfortunately was eliminated then. But Gonzaga did not have Killian Tilly last year. And Killian Tilly was definitely huge. It could be a huge X factor in this contest. Also, another player to watch out for is uh, Brandon Clark, who is a junior transfer for San Jose State. Lease Nation in field goal percentage. And is tied for third in blocks per game. And he was fantastic against Baylor. He dropped 36 points, 8 rebounds, and 5 blocks in an 83-71 win. And Gonzaga, obviously, he's got the overcome. Definitely some great depth from the Seminoles, including Fianu Kimbinelli and Chris Kumaji. Yes, Kimbinelli, 6'10", Kumaji, 7'4". Good luck with that and that rotation. But if they force Florida State to shoot some threes... That could be a, maybe could be a problem. Could be uh, the biggest uh, issue there for the Seminoles there. They don't shoot the three ball as great as they, in my opinion, they don't shoot the ball to particularly well, in my opinion. And obviously, uh, the All-American Rue Hagabara, uh, definitely a huge game. They definitely will need a huge game from him for the Zags. It's going to be a great game, I think. I don't know who's going to come out of this on top. Could be Gonzaga. I think Gonzaga's never going to want this in a big, big way. Now, unfortunately, for like I said, Phil Kofer from the Seminoles will not be able to play because his father passed away. That's definitely unfortunate. But I'm really looking forward to this contest. Now, as far as Michigan and Texas Tech, the other matchup in the West Region, there will definitely be a defensive battle there. And the biggest matchup in that game will be Jarrett Culver, who's the team's best scorer for the Red Raiders, against Jordan Matthews. Both players six foot six. I definitely will see how that battle will play out. It's definitely going to be a great matchup. Like, well, I don't know about great matchups. It's going to be a defensive matchup. Maybe first player, first team to 60 or 65 will win this game. Who knows? Now let's talk about the South region. Tennessee, to me, has not played their best ball. They're the two seed in this region. They'll play up first against Purdue. To me, they have not played their best basketball yet. They blew a 25-point lead. Thankfully for them, they went to overtime and did go on to win the game. And they defeated, almost lost to Iowa. Let me say that. They almost lost to Iowa. And it was definitely a very, like I said, the Hawkeyes probably should have came back and won this game. But obviously, in the next five minutes, it was the Vols who wanted it more. Great Williams, Emerald, Schofield, and Jordan Boone will definitely have to step it up against Purdue and figure out a way to stop Carson Edwards. Carson Edwards dropped 42 points against the defending champs, Villanova, which I don't know we should call defending. Well, they are defending champs, but they lost a lot of talent from last year's team. At least four good players from last year's team. But Purdue and Tennessee will definitely be a great matchup there in the South region. The one seed, Virginia, taking on Oregon. Oregon has a is the lower seed, the lowest seed in the Sweet 16 at number 12. Virginia, definitely, I think DeAndre Hunter and Ty Jerome is definitely going to be a big factors in this game against Oregon. I think they can actually pull this. They can definitely pull this off and avoid an upset. I definitely think for sure Tony Bennett will have a great game plan in place for the Ducks. And I expect them to move on and try to get, quest to get back to the Final Four for the first time since 1984. Let's now talk about Friday's action in the East region. And we'll start with two-seed Michigan State. They will battle three-seed Florida State. Tom 
Izzo trying to go for his eighth Final Four appearance. Eight Final Four appearance, but they have never been back. In, they haven't been back in Sweet 16 in the last three seasons. Never thought I'd say that about Tom Izzo. And of course, Tony Bedford, who is the interim coach for LSU, the furthest coach, the furthest interim coach to get this far since Steve Fisher in 1989 from Michigan. Now, obviously, we know about Fisher's past. Obviously, Fisher's history with the Michigan Wolverines after that. But yes, this would be a great matchup for sure. Tremont Waters, who had a huge game-winning layup against Maryland in the second round. Maryland had a great comeback effort. Probably could have won this game as well. But the Tigers definitely prevailed. Tremont Waters with a game-winning layup there. Definitely was cut clutch late. And, of course, he will have a big point guard matchup against Cassius Winston. And, obviously, my biggest, uh, definitely my biggest uh, matchup for the game will be that. will be those two. And, definitely, the, front, the players in the front court for both LSU and Michigan State. The second game in that East region is, of course, the one seed. Duke Blue Devils, Zion Williamson, and, of course, the cast of others. No, I'm kidding. R.J. Barrett, <laughs> Cam Reddish, and Trey Jones. They will definitely do battle against Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech did beat Duke in their only appearance in the regular season this year, but neither Zion Williamson or Justin Robinson played in that game. This will definitely be a huge matchup, a big game in D.C. In a, on a neutral site. And only the ninth time in ACC teams met each other in the NCAA tournament. We will definitely see how this match goes. Obviously, you have to figure out a plan to stop Zion. Good luck with that. But I think this time, I don't see Duke lose to Virginia Tech twice. I just don't. Now, I could be wrong, but I don't see him lose to him twice. It's been a great year for Virginia Tech, though, for sure. Now, in the Midwest region, we start with one seed, North Carolina, and five seed, Auburn. This will definitely be a lot of points this game. I think this will be this game will have the most points, most transition points in this game. Obviously, I can don't see, I can't see why Nazir Little, if Roy Williams plays him, play him minutes. Cam Johnson and Luke May do not do well in this game. They should be able to do well in this game. Um, obviously, Auburn's going to shoot a ton of threes, and there's no excuse why they don't win in the boards. That I, I'm telling you, that, there's no excuse why North Carolina will not win this game in the boards and controlling tempo in this game. I don't know. I mean, like I said, unless Auburn is lights on the three-point line, I definitely think North Carolina should prevail. Like I said, anything's possible at this point forward. Auburn with a 10-game winning streak. Of course, uh, with some great guard gu great guard play for the Tigers lately, and they have been able to shoot the three-ball well. But I don't know exactly uh, if they're going to be able to prevail against North Carolina. This is going to be a very tough test for Auburn Tigers. But, yes, both teams definitely go, will definitely get after it. Houston and Kentucky, that will definitely be another matchup to check out as far as defense in the Midwest region. P.J. Washington was on Twitter without his cast on his left left foot sprain. So we'll definitely see about that. They were able to hold off Wofford and held Fletcher McGee, one of the best three-point shooters, the best three-point shooters ever in NCAA, held him to 0-12 from three-point line, which is absolutely nuts. Um, <laughs> great effort, but from Kentucky, but we will definitely see how that will shape out. The winner of that game obviously faced either Auburn or North Carolina. But yes, guys, we get out, we got some good Sweet 16 matchups. We definitely have potential some good Elite 8 matchups. And I'm definitely looking forward for the next four days of hoops. talk about a big rule change in the NFL. Yes, the NFC Championship game will Nick Nickel Roby Coleman 
should have been called for pass interference call by Tommy Lee Lewis inside the five. Well, inside the Rams five it did not happen. But now this rule change is official. Both offensive and defensive pass interference calls and non-calls will be challenged this year. It definitely will be challenged. And everybody's talking about the length of the game. It will not affect the length of the game. Each team still has two challenges. But if 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 things if anything happens, it'll be a booth review is what's going to happen. It'll just be a booth review for the refs. It could, that could make it longer. But I don't think the length of the game is going to really affect this rule change. But this rule change was definitely needed. It could This game... This play, that particular play in the FC Championship game. Now, granted, the Rams did come back and beat the Saints. I'm not going to take that away from them. But that, but that definitely was one of, a huge call that the refs should not have missed. That game was, that was just, it definitely changed a bit in this game. The Saints definitely, I'm not going to say they would have won or would have lost. But goodness gracious, after that play, it's like the Saints just complete, that's all they thought about after that awful call. That's all they thought about. And yes, the refs completely blew it. You're right in front of Tommy Lewis. You're right in front of that situation. How do you miss that call? How do you miss that call? All right, that's old news <laughs> as far as that game is concerned. But yes, but I think this is definitely huge for the NFL. But the teams will have to be very strategic with some of these passive appearance calls. You can't call them all. You still have a couple of challenges to use. So that's going to be the biggest, definitely a huge situation there. And it's going to be very tough. I think it's going to be, could be a little bit tougher than you think. Far as trying to get that call right, but I, like I said, I'm glad they finally got got this uh, challenge taken care of. We'll see how it goes in the year. I don't think it's going to be poorly. I think it's going to be done very well. Congrats to the league, at least on that point, at least getting that right. All right, let me talk about the NBA for a second. Uh, the NBA season is right around the corner. We are two weeks from Saturday. Two weeks from Saturday for the NBA playoffs to start. That is absolutely that's crazy to me. That how quickly. This season has gone. But let's talk about a couple of things. First of all, the Western Conference. Uh, the Western Conference pretty much has their eight-team set. Three teams have not clinched yet. But the Western Conference race is pretty much over. There's nobody close that will get to a spot. The Kings are six and a half back of the Spurs for the eighth and final playoff spot in the West. That's the closest team that can do it. Everybody else like the Timberwolves and goodness the Lakers. We're not going to have an NBA playoffs with it. We're going to have an NBA playoffs without LeBron James. That, to me, still is just mind-boggling to me. That we will not have a LeBron James in NBA playoffs. But we're definitely going to talk a lot more about that during our NBA preview show, playoff preview show soon. But the eight teams I'm reading you right now in the Western Conference are pretty much going to make it. There's five teams who have made it, who could so far. The Warriors, Nuggets, Trailblazers. And speaking of Trailblazers, definitely uh, Yusuf Nurkic. Definitely, uh, definitely shout out to him. Uh, hopefully he'll recover from that awful leg injury the other night he had against the Nets. That was definitely brutal to watch. Um, the Rockets and the Clippers. Those teams clinched. All right, the Clippers, what a season they had. All the talent that they've lost, players that they traded. They lost Tobias Harris this year to a trade to Philly. But goodness, they are still in the playoffs. All the players they've lost last few years. And Doc Rivers found a way to get it done. I mean, I gotta get, he's definitely a candidate for Coach of the Year, in my eyes. Definitely a candidate. But next three teams who haven't clinched yet, they will clinch eventually. The Jazz, the Thunder, and the Spurs. So those will be, definitely be the eight teams that will play this year in the NBA playoffs. Now, like I said, everybody else in the Western Conference, they're pretty much having no shot of going to the playoffs. Now, the Eastern Conference, is if they, 
teams we've clinched so far, Bucks, Raptors, 76ers, Pacers, and the Celtics right now as the, as tonight the sixth best team in the East, the Nets, Pistons, and looking at the Magic, who beat the Heat last night. Now they have a half-game lead over the Heat. And the Hornets, they're right there at a game and a half back. So the eighth seed, at least in the Eastern Conference, will be entertaining to watch. Now, a team that I'm very concerned with in the NBA play, heading to the NBA playoffs are the Celtics. One minute, they're doing well. And now, all of a sudden, I mean, I thought things were getting a little bit better with Kyrie Irving and the Celtics. But now, all of a sudden, they have a four. Now, they had a four-game losing streak before beating a bad team, the Cavs, last night. Sometimes beating a, a bad team can cure all. But, goodness gracious, you, that game against the Hornets, they had an 18-point lead in the fourth quarter. And then they allowed a 30-5 to run. And then the following day, they get blown out by the Spurs. That that type of stuff is very concerning to me for the Celtics heading into the playoffs. They, the Celtics, quite honestly, should have been the best team this year. But something's not right. Something is absolutely not right. I, I'm saying right now, Kyrie Irving should... I, I mean, everybody's had their issues. I mean, I know LeBron had his issue, some of his issues with the Lakers during the whole uh, trade talks with Anthony Davis, but... Kyrie Irving not making this work for the Celtics is just flat out inexcusable. You have a good team. You have a good team. And even if you plan on leaving next year, you've got to at least make it work. Or owe it to your teammates at least make it work one more year. It makes no sense to me how his leadership skills to me, to, to me his leadership skills are just not that great. They're not. And the Celtics definitely deserve better. I think, that, like I said, this year I think this is it for... Kyrie Irving. Will he go to the Knicks? I, I assume he will. But this is just very concerning to me about the Celtics going forward. And I know they have a... Who, no matter who they play in the playoffs, it's going to be very, very interesting um, to see how they, how well they play and how well they gel. Because once they're eliminated, that's it. That will not be the same Celtics team next... That will not be the same Celtics team next year. As far as the East is concerned, Bucks, I tell you, Giannis Antetokounmpo looks great this year. And like I said in this podcast, he was my preseason MVP. But I tell you right now, that battle between him and James Harden is going to continue to be neck and neck. That is going to be neck and neck throughout the rest of the regular season. And I definitely like what the Raptors have with Kawhi Leonard. But right now, the Bucks are just looking fantastic in Eastern Conference. Uh, plus 76ers, they're starting five with, Tobi with Tobias, Jimmy Butler, J.J. Redick, Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons. It, it's, it's a loaded group. It's a very, very loaded group. But I don't know um, how well this group will uh, this group will play hand towards the playoffs because, like I said, I think they're starting five, but are definitely their strongest group of one of the better starting fives in the league. So we'll see. I, I think Philly Philly's not too big of a concern of mine, but we'll definitely see how that definitely goes. I'm just ready to see D'Angelo Russell and the Nets in the playoffs. I think they're going to be hungry. That's a team that I definitely would not want to face in the playoffs. A team that hungry like that and and unified. Like they are, mm, I would not want to play the Nets. Not a chance. I don't care who any of these teams are, who, who gets home court. I'll be nervous to play the Nets right now. And my last topic of the night is definitely uh, definitely news related. Definitely, I think more of a triumph, to be honest with you. Je uh, Je Jesse Smollett, of course, the Empire star, got uh, his charges. All 16 counts of his charges of a false report uh, dropped. His record is clean. That was definitely incredible to watch yesterday. Once I saw the tweet that said emergency 
emergency hearing and Justice Wallander's attorney was going to talk afterwards, I knew that the charges were going to be dropped. Chicago police and the Chicago mayor were pissed off and I loved every minute of it. <laughs> I loved every minute to see them fail in this situation. Matter of fact, they put way too much energy on Jesse Smollett. They have other major concerns in that city and they need to worry about other than a celebrity leaving, leaving the courtroom without handcuffs and going home a free man. I know the FBI is now investigating this situation, but listen, Jesse Smollett, He's free. What do you want me to tell you? Now, I was one of those people, I'll admit at first, I thought he did lie at first. I'm not going to lie, but once there were 16 counts involved in this situation, no. That is definitely not good. Uh, definitely not good. I thought that was beginning the end of the Chicago police and the mayor. It was just a matter of time. It was just a matter of time. Will, do we, will we know if it was ever a hoax, if this was a hoax hate crime or not? We probably will never know. Um, but there was something there, obviously, that had the charge. The prosecutor decided to drop the charges. So <laughs> we'll definitely see. Uh, it's going to be uh, interesting what happens. I know, like I said, the FBI is going to be investigating them. So as this isn't quite over yet, but I will say this: at least it was good to. See, I, I don't know why I should have. I should have been as happy to see those two, him <laughs> to see the police and Rob Manuel. Rob Manuel. Rob Manuel upset over Jesse Smollett uh, leaving the courtroom a free man. I, I'm not going to lie. I laughed. I didn't laugh, but I, they put a smile on my face because they have other things that they need to worry about. They need to put more effort into protecting people in that city. And there's enough shootings going around there, and they just need they need to try to figure out a way to improve their community. Well, thank you all for listening to the show again, uh, again today. Definitely my first Solo show completely by myself, no guest. Hopefully it was good. Uh, <laughs> hopefully it was good. I'm not gonna lie to you. Hopefully it was good for all of you. Uh, it was definitely, like I said, I'm up late doing this, and uh, I definitely want to thank you guys for listening. Nick will definitely be back with me. Hopefully the next episode when we get ready to talk about the final four, and obviously WrestleMania weekend around the corner. And everyone, all the baseball fans enjoy MLB tomorrow. I'm definitely looking forward to see the Yankees, of course, start their season of comeback. Hopefully they will win the World Series this year. It's going to be tough, though, for the Red Sox and Astros around. And obviously, Bryce Harper to the Phillies, definitely huge. And obviously, Mike Trout, man, $430 million for 12 years. And Bryce Harper, 13 years, 330 mil. Goodness, I should have played baseball. <laughs> but anyway, I'm going to let y'all go ahead and get going. And, and look here, some of you, I would just say this one more time, Us was a good movie. Us was a very good movie. I definitely agree with the critics on that one. I know some people... We're confused by it, uh, but me personally, I thought it was a very well-written movie, and I thought Jordan Peele did an amazing job. Over $70 million made this weekend. Congrats to him. But thank you all for watching, excuse me, watching, listening <laughs> to Ron Nick's Rundown. Can't wait for you all to listen to it next time. <laughs>